Offscript podcast. Offscript is intended to be an informative and interview-based podcast series that encourages pharmacists and student pharmacists to think outside of the prescription pad. The Offscript podcasts are developed by the APHA ASP National Policy Standing Committee and cover a variety of topics from experts in the field to help our members advance in the profession of pharmacy. My name is Rachel Dietrich, and I am a member of the APHA ASP National Policy Standing Committee. We will be discussing APHA Resolutions 2022.2, which is online health information. We have three student pharmacists with us who will be discussing how they approach online health information and how they can improve healthcare outcomes. So I'll let them take it away. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Bazard. Uh, I'm a student from the Roseman School of Pharmacy in Henderson, Nevada. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tia, and I'm a P3 at Western University of Health Science over in Pomona, California. Um, I've been involved in APHA as their patient care vice president at my local chapter, and ever since then, have just been super involved in policy and been involved in local uh, associations with their little projects. And I'll let Alex introduce himself. Thank you so much. So I am Alex Shintiai. I am a class of 2023 student at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Likewise, APHA has been my home for a long time. It was actually the very first organization I joined on campus. I then grew into different positions such as policy vice president, and I have set my feet into different advocacies, but my main thing is I like to serve other leaders and other students with the profession. So I get involved with national committees, state affiliates, and other sources where I can reach and communicate at a high level. Awesome. Thank you all for being here tonight and for joining us for this episode of the Offscript podcast. So first, Let's talk about the benefits of online health information. I know pretty much anyone on the whole entire planet has been able to consult Dr. Google before in the past. So how has online health information helped you with your patients as a student pharmacist? So I know that as student pharmacists, we're taught to be cautious of online information and that we should always double check our sources. But with that in mind, and considering the involvement of technology and how much we rely on the internet on a daily basis, online health information has proven to be a really incredible tool in helping spread important information to our patients. And the way that online information is disseminated and utilized is a crucial factor. So I think that taking these platforms into our own hands as healthcare professionals is a very important way to ensure that the right information gets to our patients in a way that's easy for them to understand. You know, I love what Dia brought up and I just wanna emphasize how she mentioned, you know, the tools and really it's an asset to bring together that knowledge base that we've been accumulating all through our years as a student. Now, as we become new practitioners, we're not gonna learn everything on the spot. You know, every day I'm learning about new diabetes medications or oncology regimens. So the question I have to keep in mind is, what, what is the patient looking for? And that kind of might stems into what setting are you in? Are you in a community? Are you in a hospital doing rounds? Are you in outpatient work at ambulatory care? Are you on an industry internship? There's going to be a lot of different resources you'll need at different times for specific questions. You know, with the retail, you can expect the whole gamut of costs. What they might be asking, what's the price of medication, interactions, can I take these medicines together, pharmacology, when can I take this? So it's knowing what are the resources that I need on hand, whether that's an app, 
whether it's the resources and identifying what do they mean. So a patient itself, letting them know how they can use them. What does it mean to be like a .gov.edu.org resource? Who's funding it? When is it published? All these things are gonna help you along the way for understanding, but the idea is what do the patients need the most and how can you help them with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with what you both had to say, you know, making sure that the right information, the right tools are not only in the right hands, but also just making sure that you're there for your patients and you're able to inform them on the information that they're receiving from the internet. Now that um, we're going forward in the COVID-19 pandemic, um, as we all know, there's been a great increase in online health information. And unfortunately, some of that information is incorrect. So how do you know as a patient or as a healthcare professional, if information you're receiving online is trustworthy or accurate? So there's a couple different angles that I like to talk to people about with this, particularly for patients. Uh, you know, for healthcare professionals, usually we receive some sort of training that's going to give us an idea of what is a trustworthy source and what is not a trustworthy source. But patients are navigating this online world with none of that, none of that uh, view on how to be a skeptic, how to look at this with a critical eye. And the things that I try to impart onto anyone I talk to are first, uh, the it's a fun phrase, cure alls, cure nothing. Uh, so if someone's trying to convince you that something is going to be a wonderful resolution to six or seven diseases, it's probably not. You probably need to dig a little deeper and see if it really is going to help out with all of these different aspects or have all these different effects. And another thing to always look at is to ask yourself, is this source trying to sell me something? Uh, oftentimes, not only online, but in person through people that we know, sometimes through television still, people will be trying to sell a product by advertising that it resolves some particular issue, can cure some particular issue, and seeing that and trying to be skeptical there. But one of the safest things, and it was mentioned a little bit earlier, is to kind of look at what kind of website or what kind of person you're getting this information from. You know, .edu, .org, .gov, they're usually a lot safer than .com or .tv or whatever new dot there is. Uh, those are the ones that usually tend to have safer information. But I always just like to say as a general rule of thumb, if you feel like they want you to buy something, that might not be the most trustworthy source. And that's really insightful what Jeffrey brought up, you know, that concern that patients actually have to be on the lookout for something. So like you mentioned, there's really a dynamic between the patient side and the healthcare professional side. You know, as, as new practitioners, uh, we're gonna have a lot of tools at our, at our hand, but things like Lexicomp isn't gonna be our catch-all for everything. And you're going to need the drug information skills to narrow down where you can find those answers. So I know that all students take a class that's similar to it. And honestly, I tell people it's kind of like an art form. And it takes practice. It takes, you know, learning new things and getting gaining wisdom in the area. Figure out, okay, how do I narrow down the information I need? So we have to understand, okay, there were things like tertiary resources, secondary, primary resources. What does this mean? When is it appropriate to look at research articles and look at the authors? And when is it more appropriate where you can use maybe PubMed searches to narrow things down? So as a healthcare professional, I, I think we're, we have a better understanding of where we're gonna be looking for, but really it's that patient side that, you know, with a lot of, I, I feel like obstacles, concerns of, 
is it reliable? Let's first break down why are they there? The patient was there because they were looking for information to help themselves in some way or some manner. At least usually that's that's the ideology. One of the best method, you know, options we have to help patients might actually be the, the market letting us know there are products out there to give them information. So there's a lot of new companies that are developing in this new digital age kind of policies or maybe patient quality information or handouts where patients can easily access them. They might have videos to read, they might have pamphlets, but it gives you that kind of drug information in that patient-friendly form that you can easily give to a patient. Because when we're at the pharmacy, we are not be able to give them that full time and breadth of knowledge. But if we can give them that resource that identifies the issue, whether that's a disease state or a specific medication, that might be our, our new answer. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you guys. You know, going forward with our information that we received after not only this pandemic, but even before the pandemic, we were trying to um, receive information as student pharmacists about, you know, what is trustworthy, what is accurate. And I feel as if going forward, it's just going to be implemented even more into our education systems, because given the pandemic and other things that have been going on, there's a lot of information out there that's not accurate. And it's important that we as healthcare professionals and also our patients know what is accurate and what is trustworthy for us to use. Now, I know for myself, I have experienced several encounters with patients where I had to address this health misinformation concern. So what have you done in these scenarios where a patient might be misinformed by some online health information that they found on the internet? Oh, I've definitely come across my own instances where patients have been misinformed by online information. Um, for me, I like to see, like, start off by seeing where patients are coming from rather than just shutting them down immediately. Because when patients feel like they're being talked down to or made to feel like they're silly for thinking a certain way, they're definitely less receptive to what else you have to say. So setting the tone for that conversation is really important. And understanding their perspective is key to how you move forward. Is there misinformation due to a bias that you can help address? Are they using sources that don't prioritize evidence-based health information? Is it from friends or family and that information that they're getting is distorted along the way that it's being spread from person to person? It's kind of like that game telephone that we all grew up playing where the first person gets given a certain phrase or word and then at the end of it, it was totally different from what was originally said. So you can kind of think of that and make sure that patients are taking everything with a grain of salt, just like Alex and Jeff said about making sure that these sources are reputable. You know, I really love and agree with that idea of meeting the patient where they're at. Um, I've had the wonderful opportunity to do a lot of work with medically underserved patients and medically underserved populations that, you know, oftentimes you'll find that their core value is to take something homeopathic or something natural. Um, and sometimes, you know, this is a place where we can we can meet them where they're at and we can have a discussion and guide them towards something that will be beneficial, does have that guideline supported evidence, does have that background. And sometimes this is a place where we say, I hear where you're coming from. I worry about the same worries that you have. But it's about two things are my core philosophies. I don't argue with patients. 
Um, I don't. I'll I'll have a conversation. I'll talk and I'll discuss, but it's never antagonistic. And the second thing is that I want them to walk away knowing what I think is true. Ultimately, you can never truly convince someone very easily just to switch sides. But if you establish yourself as a trustworthy person, if you establish yourself as a knowledgeable medical personnel, then you have the opportunity to provide yourself as a trustworthy source. And you can give them this information in a context that is beneficial to them. So it's not necessarily about changing minds all the time, but it's always about being that trustworthy person who never yells, never fights, never hits, but is there for them to help make it so that they make the safest and best choice for their health. Yeah, I definitely agree. And Dia, I loved your telephone analogy because I've had patients sometimes they'll come up to the counter and they'll be like, oh yeah, my mom's brother's uncle, whoever um, has decided to tell me about the COVID vaccine. And it's like, okay, well, let's address this. Let's, you know, give the patient the right information and tools. But of course, as you both mentioned, setting the tone and making sure that the right information is correctly given to the patient. That way they're safe and that they're cared for. Now, as student pharmacists and future pharmacists, it is our responsibility as healthcare professionals to utilize online platforms that provide the most up-to-date, accessible, and evidence-based medical information. So what are a few of your favorite online health resources, and why would you say that these are your favorites? I actually really love this question because I have three answers that might actually surprise you. You know, personally on my phone, I might have 15 different pharmacy apps, and I'm sure a lot of students are familiar with them. As far as apps goes, I would say my favorite or the one that's most fun to use is Pearls. I love it because of the top 300 drugs, but honestly, it's guidelines. There's the visual appeal to it. It makes it so easy. I've been using it for many years. I absolutely love it. But to be honest, if, if I want to be up to date, I'll tell you, LinkedIn's my go-to because LinkedIn is where I can connect with professionals and see, you know, what are their new voices? You don't know what you don't know unless you reach out. The second one, if I want to actually know about evidence-based, I'll actually say it's the CEs that you can go on websites like APHA or ASHP. The best way to learn the cutting new edge things is actually going to be through those new lessons and journal clubs. But another thing that might actually surprise you is for accessibility, I would actually say Twitter. Now, I know, you know, we only think Twitter of this, you know, crazy jungle. But for my feed, what I follow people, they're all pharmacists. So I'm learning about new things, you know, following ID pharmacists, oncology pharmacists, they're constantly bringing up questions. And those are the people that I can connect to. Those are the authors of journals that I can talk to that can let me know, okay, here is my new information. And so I would say LinkedIn, Twitter, and CEs online. Those are some of my best resources that are atypical. I love that. I really think that's something that we don't always hear too, especially as student pharmacists to go on social media accounts and those other platforms. But in this day and age, you really do see a lot more reputable information coming from those sources. Um, for me, I guess I'll go in the direction of tools that I like to give patients, especially when they want to take it into their own hands and look up their own health information. So especially with the pandemic going on or the news of monkeypox that was a couple months ago, I like to tell patients to go to the CDC. They're, it's always really well laid out and actually covers a lot of information. Um, so that's one. And 
Mayo Clinic is also another great one that breaks down disease states uh, in a way that patients can easily understand. And another thing as student pharmacists, if, listen to what your patients want from these resources. How do they want to utilize these online resources? And if you don't have a resource that already exists, why not make one for them? I've actually been in a couple of projects where we focused on creating these online platforms for patients to access that gives them exactly what they need and nothing more, nothing less. And you can cater it to those patients you're caring for. I know earlier we said, what setting are you in? Are you in community? Are you in ambulatory care? And cater it to that setting and the patient population you're working with. You know, I really love those answers for giving to the patients, uh, particularly the CDC. Uh, I like to provide patients with links to the Mayo Clinic for specific disease states or to the Cleveland Clinic website for specific disease states. They're really great resources that provide things in simple language, uh, in layman's terms, which is a really big benefit for patients that might not fully understand everything that's going on to them. So a combination of your own words spoken to them to help break things down and then something they can read when they get home makes a really big difference. Uh, as far as, as a professional, a medical professional, uh, I'm a simple man. I like guidelines and the control F function. Uh, I recommend that everyone go ahead and as much as they can uh, get as adapted to just trying to find it through that means. Uh, other programs and other websites do tend to have a lot of valuable information and can break it down in a number of different ways. But if you want to stay up to date, and particularly if you want to get an alternative opinion, uh, I really recommend going to guidelines for countries that you do not practice in. Uh, go ahead and take a look at what they do in Europe. Take a look at what they do in Canada. Take a look at what they do all across the world. You'll see recommendations that are a lot more culturally sensitive to different peoples, different populations. And sometimes there may be a language barrier involved, but I found that you can even get a little deeper into those uh, easier than you might think. The only note that I would want to leave everyone with is to keep in mind the most vulnerable populations we have are populations that are speaking English as a second language. Uh, oftentimes, they don't have a reliable source. And oftentimes, if you are like me and you are a monolinguist, you can't really help them to identify if a source is truly up to date, truly quality. So this is something to try to make sure that you rely on your friends, uh, rely on the resources that are provided to you in your workplace as much as you can to make sure that when you're helping someone who does not have English as a uh, high fluency, that you're gonna wanna make sure that the source you're providing them is going to be in layman's terms in their language, and it's going to still be up-to-date and accurate. Uh, biggest challenge that there is is to do that, but it's also the most important thing that we can do for our patients. Jeff, I love that you mentioned that because one of the functions that I've noticed in a lot of community pharmacy settings is the ability to change the patient handout information to a language that is the patient's preference. And I think a lot of pharmacies don't take advantage of that opportunity and that function. So I think that's something we can easily do, just go into the patient's profile and address it and maybe leave a note just saying, oh, hey, the patient speaks Spanish as their first language. I think that's a great source of information and you're able to provide the patient with any details about their medications or their disease states in the language that they prefer. And just to like round out everything, I wanna thank you all for the time and participation in this discussion. I've learned a few things. I hope you have all enjoyed 
learning things and discussing more about online health information. And once again, I just want to say that this has been another episode of the Offscript podcast brought to you by the APHA ASP National Policy Standing Committee. Thank you.